0: Hello, and welcome back to the Pursue Your Potential podcast, episode number six. I'm your host, Taylor. In these episodes, we are going over a variety of topics to help you pursue your potential in every area of your life. I will often share a story of my own and what I learned through that story in hopes that it will inspire you. And today's episode is just that. Today, I'm sharing with you the story about when I got arrested for a DUI and all that I learned through that experience. And hey, if you like this episode, if you like what I'm sharing with you, please go and leave me a five-star review. I would appreciate that so much. You have no idea how much that helps me and how much that supports me. Again, thank you. So let's dive in. So (laughs) arresting, going to jail, it's quite the topic. I've actually made it easier on myself to talk about this because every year on the anniversary of my arrest, I will post something to social media about it. As the years have gone by, I feel less and less connected to that story. It doesn't feel like me anymore. It doesn't feel very painful. And what used to be really long posts, me talking about the experience and stuff like that, became very short. I'm not even sure if I shared it last year. (laughs) So my arrest was in 2009 when I was 18 years old. I am about to turn 29, so just over 10 years. So I am going to start from the beginning and just share with you what all happened. So taking it back a little even further, when I was 16, that's when I first had my first alcoholic drink and it was actually my older sister that gave it to me and I've never told anyone that. (laughs) So, and that's totally fine, whatever. And I did get into partying and was drinking and I went out for spring break in March of 2009. And I had drove an hour away from my home to go to a spring break party at a club. When I went there, I was wearing a swimming suit, a skirt, and flip-flops. That's what I wore to the spring break party. And it was fun. I had a great time until about halfway through the night. Maybe not even halfway, just a couple hours into that night. I had set my phone down and it got stolen. So that put me in a really flustered state. I was looking for it. I was asking people if I could use their phone to call my phone. I never found it. And so two o'clock rolls around. And even though I had a few drinks, I still felt fine. I can, I can see it very clearly. I was very there and very present. Obviously I had been drinking, but I, any, I'm not gonna, (laughs) I'm not gonna make excuses. I was fine. And, Two two o'clock's here. I'm frustrated, but I still have to get home an hour away from where I was. So I get in my car. I start driving. I'm on the freeway. I get to, so I was in Salt Lake City where the party was and I lived in North Ogden and they're about an hour apart. I made it just over halfway to Ogden and I was going 81 or 83 in a 65 And a cop that was pulled over, and I didn't even see him. I wasn't even looking. I wasn't paying attention to him. I was the only car on the road at that time. And I got pulled over. So this, when I had gone out, it was Thursday evening. And when I had got pulled over, it was about 3 a.m. on Friday morning. And I got pulled over. He could clearly smell the alcohol on me my eyes were red and I still to this day will say that it's cause I had contacts in my eyes and my eyes were always red, but that's beside the point. So he has me get out. I do the tests. Clearly I'm underage. Clearly I had been drinking, did the breathalyzer. I get in his car and my car gets searched. And again, I'm reminding you that this is March. So winter, And I'm in a swimming suit, a skirt, and flip-flops. And I had a tank top on, like a little tank top. And I was in the back of his car watching my car get searched. And I totally forgot I had stuff in my car that shouldn't have been in there. So he comes and he shows me that he had found in my middle console some mushrooms. And this is part of the story that I don't think I have told anyone publicly. I've, I, my, some of my friends and family know about it. But in all of the posts that I've shared, all the, the things that I've talked about, I have never divulged that information. The other thing that was found in my car, which to me wasn't as serious, was I had a hookah, which is a device that you smoke tobacco out of. And I was 18, not 19, which 19 was the legal age for that. And I, I think that I got that charge removed. However, the mushrooms at that time were considered a felony. And that's one of the reasons why I never told anyone is because I had a really hard time admitting to people that I felt like they didn't need to know anything about it. I didn't want to tell them that I had that felony charge. And, and I'm going to say right now, I got it reduced. I don't have that felony anymore. That's a really big deal to me. I, Um, I had talked to a lawyer, got that reduced and I actually am eligible to have like all of my stuff expunged and I probably should do that one day, but it got taken down to a misdemeanor. So I was really happy about that, which is funny because now mushrooms are considered a misdemeanor and not a felony, which is great. And so here I am 18 years old getting pulled over for a DUI underage drinking, Mushrooms, which was a felony at the time, tobacco, speeding, my charges were hefty. So, it's about 4 a.m. by the time that I get to the jail, and I get put in a cell, and then they allow me to make my phone calls. So, I called my parents, which were divorced, I had to call them separately, and I let them know where I was at, what happened, and they were actually really awesome about it. I could tell they were just worried about me. They weren't really mad at me. Uh, My mom, I think, was a little more upset, but she was definitely more worried than anything, and my dad was just kind of like, "Hey, like, what do I need to do? And I had told them, hey, I don't want you to bail me out. I messed up. I need to own this, and I don't want you guys to spend money bailing me out. And at that time, I had asked, when when you get bailed out, is that just to make me comfortable? Is that just to get me out? Like, it doesn't go towards paying any of my fines or anything. It just gets you out. So when I found out that it was just to get me out, I said, don't worry about it. I'll be fine. And then I found out that I couldn't get a court appearance until Tuesday. So Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. That's how long I had to be there. And... It was hard. I was 18 years old, but I was also, I'm a tough girl. I handled it. I was really sad, but I still got some phone calls. I still got to talk to my mom and my dad. And I kinda just kept to myself, slept a lot, and had a lot of time to think. (laughs) And so then I get my video court on Tuesday. I get released, and then I start to try to get my life back in order. And then comes the sentencing part. Then comes the worst part of the story. So what could have been just a brief experience turned into a three-year-long experience for me. And I've said this before, and I'm going to say it until I die. I was mistreated. I wasn't treated very fairly. And I was reminded of this recently when my mom brought me all of my court documents and everything. She had it. And she, at the time, was a paralegal and was able to you know really be involved with my case and She had a lot of the stuff from it she had everything and I was reminded going through all the paperwork, going through the letters, I had about a dozen letters that friends and family and coworkers had written in my on my behalf and It was really hard to not get emotional about it and it's It's been years since I've been emotional over that experience and I had forgotten so much of the things that I went through and it's hard because I know that we can all think that like that people were mistreating us or it was unfair or something, but I know for a fact they were trying to make, uh, make an example out of me. And I was actually told that by the prosecutor and it's really hard. There's so much to this story, but What happened was I got put on drug diversion, and drug diversion was a program that I was going to be in for a year, and if I did everything that I needed to do, I could get my felony reduced or expunged, or I don't remember exactly what, something along that line, and that was a big deal to me because I did not want to have a felony on my record, and drug diversion was something that was mostly for people that had drug problems, and I didn't. So when I got put on that program, and this was supposed to be for my, bet for the, for my, it was supposed to be for good, that me being on that program was supposed to be for good, but it actually turned out terrible because I was 18 years old, I had drank, I had done those drugs, but I didn't have a drug problem, and I told them that several times, they thought I was in denial, I would go to my counseling sessions, happy, positive Tay. that I've always been. Not complaining about anything, not talking about drugs, not talking about anything, just talking about how great things were going. And the counselor's notes on me for this are really heartbreaking. Because she she was the one that reported back to the prosecutor and would say she's in denial, she won't admit that she has a problem. And it was really, really hard. So I was also being drug tested randomly for alcohol and other things. And I never tested positive for anything, but there was this time, time or two, where I had diluted UAs, diluted tests, where it was too watered down that they couldn't get the sample that they needed, whatever. But because I had diluted UAs, I was sentenced to another two days of gel time. And I was really, really upset about that. I was at the time working as a CNA, a certified nursing assistant. I was going to the gym regularly, drinking my gallon of water every day, and I found out you need to be really careful about drinking a lot of water because it dilutes your urine. I pled to them that, you know, it was a mistake, test me again, and I got sentenced to a weekend in jail. That was really upsetting because I did not believe that I deserved that. Like I said before, when I was in jail for those initial five days, I owned it. I told my parents not to bail me out. I deserved it. I needed it. That second time, I did not. This continued. I kept feeling very outcasted from the people in the group counseling, in my individual counseling, paying a lot of money for all of this. Not only that, but my license had been sp- suspended for a while. I think it was like six months. When I got my license back, I had a breathalyzer in my car. This is a device that when you start your car, you have to blow into to test. And I had to pay for that monthly. It was something that I needed to pay for. And it that thing drove me nuts because it would malfunction. There was times when it didn't work. There'd be times when... I, I had to get it recalibrated s- several times. So driving from where I currently lived in West Jordan to Salt, or to uh, back up to Ogden, and having to fix that. And I had that on my car from the time I was 18 until right before I turned 21 years old, paying for that every month, having to deal with it. You could not drive your car. Oh, and while you're driving your car, it'll go off randomly, so that you have to test while you're driving, which was really annoying. And if you've ever had a DUI or anything like that, you probably know what I'm talking about. But this interlock device really caused a lot of issues for me. There was one time I, I had a, a manual car and I had stalled it on a busy road. And my car stopped and I could not get that breathalyzer to work. And I thought, this is, this is ridiculous. Anyways, enough about that. I, I had the counseling sessions long story short, I ended up getting kicked out of that drug diversion program. They said that I was in denial, that clearly that program wasn't where I should be, which I shouldn't have been in there. That's true. But when they did my sentencing, when they kicked me out of the program, they had a lot of other people from that program there to make me be the example, to make it more embarrassing for me. It was not a good experience. I had written letters. Like I said before, I had several family members and friends and people that I worked with and bosses write letters for me. And I read a letter out loud. Everyone in the room was crying, even the, the, the clerk and everyone. And it wasn't to say that I was having like this sappy story, but I really just pled my side of things. So I get kicked out of the program and I get sentenced to another eight days in jail where I had to go to a different facility which was nicer, I guess, than where I had originally been. It was a place where we had a little more freedom than the other one where we were, we had bunk beds. We weren't necessarily in cells. We got a little more time out of our rooms and... That made it a little easier, and I could also leave there to go to work. So I had to ask around for rides and be back by a certain time, and and that wasn't as bad as the other experiences that I had in the gel. But still, when you're feeling like I was where it, none of it made sense, I felt like everything was very harsh. I went through a lot, and I'm there's so much that I went through that it would be really hard to just talk about it all. And have it all make sense on this podcast. I'm really trying to just share with you all the information that I can. While still, you know, keeping this out of, <laughs> keeping this making sense. And I can feel I'm already starting to, my mind is starting to wander on other things. And so, it's about the time that I turned 21. I had curfews where I had to be home by 10 p.m. at night and have an officer randomly check on me. I still had to go to counseling and have drug tests done and check-ins and it was really quite the experience and so I turned 21 well a couple months before I turned 21 I get released finally after three years and I just knew I would never go there again. I would never go back there And despite everything I went through, I still remain strong. I still, it's weird because I got what I got because I didn't play the game. I got what I got because I held true to my side of things. And I really don't have any kind of addictive personality. I'm very removed from a lot of things. Yes, I still drink. I'm 29 years old. I do enjoy drinking from time to time. And I'm, I'm responsible for it for the most part now. I don't drink and drive. Sometimes I might drink a little too much. I'm working on that. You know, I don't drink often, but when I do have a few drinks, sometimes it's harder. Anyways, so I get released. I get my license. I turn 21. I'm excited about life again. And I decided to start a nonprofit. So this nonprofit was called Safety is Sexy, and the mission was to help inspire others to not drink and drive. Myself and some of my friends would go to the clubs and wear Safety is Sexy shirts. I had shirts made, lanyards, wristbands, and just really tried to help people not get DUIs in the first place, but also to inspire those that went through what I went through. And then after I had started that and invested some time into that, got a website, started the 501c3 process and all that, shortly after I found out that I was pregnant and I had pregnant, I I got pregnant, had my son, and after I had my son, I tried to bring that back. But it was just a lot harder because I had promoted it in the clubs, in in the bar scene, And I didn't want to do that anymore. I didn't want to be in that scene anymore. And I didn't really feel called to have that be my mission anymore. So I did stop. And it's funny, I'm sitting in my car recording this. I'm looking at my garage. And in my garage, I have boxes of shirts and lanyards and wristbands from that. And I don't know what I'm going to do with them these many, this many years later, I've actually tried to think about, you know, what safety causes are out there that I could donate those to. And I'm still going to look into it. But I just really wanted to share this story with you because if you know me now, if you've seen my post now, if you're my friend now, if you're a client of mine now, you know that that doesn't all sound like me. <laughs> you know that you're if you didn't know my story before, you're probably really surprised to hear all of this. I am very much the kind of person where I go through something and I turn it into a lesson and I become better from it. So I just really want to inspire you to, if you've been there before, you know that it's got to be left in the past. And not only that, but you've got to learn to not make those mistakes again because I can't imagine where I would be if I kept getting in trouble if i had gotten in trouble again, if i had gone to jail again, that was a one time experience that i never want to repeat again. i never want to go back to jail again. and i'm going to do my best to just stay that course and it's not it's not even an option anymore. i'm i'm not 18 years old and making stupid choices. And that's the other thing is, hey, you guys, I was 18, I did dumb things, I partied really young, I was underage, and I had forgotten to, until recently, actually, that I, when I was, I think, 17 years old, I was at a party, and I, the party got busted, cops were there, and we got alcohol tickets, but I got to do something where I got the alcohol ticket removed, and I had totally forgotten that that happened. And so the, the judge, or when I did actually get in trouble, trouble when I got arrested, there wasn't really a record of it because it was kind of made like it never happened. And I had just, I had forgotten that until recently. Anyways, yes, I still think back on that and it doesn't sound like me, but I still try to remember that story because it did play a part in making me who I am. I am very much an advocate for not drinking and driving. And I can feel for anyone that has had a DUI or who has struggled with that or been to jail or anything like that. And I just, I wanted to share this story with you because it is a piece of my past that I really, I'm one of those people, I'm not afraid to share things with you. I know that it's very powerful to not have anything to hide, and I don't have anything to hide. And now that I've told everyone more about the story, about what I actually got charged with, it feels a little bit better too. And I hope that you don't judge me for that. But if you do, I, I don't really care. <laughs> I, it, it wasn't, it, it was just a piece of my story. So I have to get out of here. I'm going to go pick up my son from school and get on with my day. I hope... That I shared with you something that you didn't know about me and now you feel a little more connected to me. You understand me a little bit better, but just know that that was in my past and I'm doing the best that I can to have a positive impact on the lives of others. And I think that me sharing my story is a part of that mission and another piece of the puzzle that can help me have a better impact on you. So I hope you enjoyed this episode and I look forward to doing another one and sharing some more of myself with you. Have a wonderful day. Bye.